It is the sentence of this court that Theseus Cyprianus be executed with the sword. Cyprian, thanks be to God. Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod President Pastor Matt Harrison speaking at this year's Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference. So, I would rather lay down on this spot and have my head chopped off than give up the Word of God. But with that strong, biblically informed conscience, I shall face my day and age. You shall face this day and age. We will confess Christ no matter what we face. And we will bear witness to a better way in Jesus. Come what may. Amen. You can watch and listen to Pastor Matt Harrison making the case for the Lutheran option from the 2023 Making the Case Conference for a $300 gift by Labor Day. You can access an on-demand video stream or download a podcast of the entire conference. Order today at issuesetc.org. There is no common ground possible between the people who believe in objective truth and cultural Marxists. Parents, social media is undermining you left and right. I mean, it's like dumping a bucket of termites outside your house every day and then thinking, it'll be fine, they won't mess with my house. Feminism has told us that our, our children are the obstacle to our happiness instead of a means to our happiness. You know, when we take those tender and important and precious relationships away from women, they're not going to be more fulfilled without it. You know, Luther said on his deathbed that we're beggars all. He could have said, we're all dogs receiving crumbs from our master's table. This is Mark from Michigan, and I am a lawnmower listener. We love issues, etc. For my entire life in my church body, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, and I think this is true of Christians in other denominations as well, for my entire life there's been an emphasis on evangelism, a very strong emphasis on evangelism, one program after another, and certainly for my pastoral ministry that has been true. So why is my church body smaller today than it was when I was born Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc. on this Labor Day, Monday, September the 4th. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. Dr. Ken Sherb joins us to begin a weekly series on evangelism. In Hour 2, we'll hear an encore interview with Pastor Brian Wolfmiller on what I wish my non-Lutheran family knew about worship. Dr. Ken Sherb has a Ph.D. in church history from Ohio State University. He's Director of Evangelism, Missions, Stewardship, and Human Care, for the Central Illinois District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, formerly served as a theology professor at Concordia University, Ann Arbor, Michigan, and as an assistant to the president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Ken, welcome back. Hey, Todd. Tickled to talk to you. Glad to be able to talk about this topic. Why should we be taking any time to talk about evangelism? Well, let's go for the big picture here, Todd. The fact is Christ brings life into a world choked by death. And he brings that life to people by his powerful word, his living, life-giving word. And evangelism is communicating that word. You know, the book of Hebrews talks about death in relationship to the devil. It says the devil has the power of death. And it goes on to mention people people who, through fear of death, it says, were subject to lifelong bondage. And that's no small number of people, Todd. From the ancients to the 20th century existentialists, and all the way to the present, 
the question keeps looming over people's heads. What difference does it make, any of it, if in the end I simply die? Who cares what people accomplish, what good they do, how they care for anyone, if it all just ends up in the grave? Death is an intruder. The Bible says it's an enemy. It's not part of the creation as God made it. It's the wages of sin. The day you eat the fruit of that tree in the midst of the garden, the Creator said, you shall surely die. And people have been dying ever since. Death sweeps people away. That's what Psalm 90 says. They're like a passing dream, like the grass that withers in the sun and dries up. But it's even worse than that, Psalm 90 says, because God's anger is there and it consumes. Our sins are before him and they richly deserve for me more than just a failure of my heart to beat or my brain to function. Nothingness, if that's what lay in store after death, nothingness would be scary enough. But the wrath of God is terrifying. The worst form of death is eternal death, the separation of the total human being, body and soul, from God in hell forever. No doubt about it. The wages of sin is death, like the Bible says. But, but, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Eternal life is to know by faith the true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent For Jesus, our good shepherd, laid down his life for the sheep and took it up again. The Bible says he abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So the book of Hebrews puts it this way, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same nature, that through death he might destroy him who has the power of death, the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong bondage. Jesus, the Lord who bore our sin and carried our sorrows, by his rising from the dead has become Mr. Resurrection. He is the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in Jesus, though he die, yet shall that person live, and whoever lives and believes in Jesus shall never die. People believe by the power of God's good news in Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation, and people need that, all people. Remember how powerfully everybody was reminded back during COVID days in the pandemic of their own mortality? People need life. It's life with God that we need, and we get to tell people about life in Christ. So that telling is evangelism. We sometimes call it witness. How does Scripture speak about it? Well, one interesting way the Bible refers to it is in 1 Peter chapter 2, which really speaks in terms that echo what the Lord said about his people back in Exodus 19. Peter wrote, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people. And this people, God's own special possession, engages in an activity. Peter says that you might declare or some translations say proclaim, the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now, to whom do we declare these excellencies? Sometimes I hear the claim being made that this declaration is to be made strictly to God, not other human beings. But the Greek word that Peter used for declaring or proclaiming the Lord's excellencies is, 
had been used in the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament, to translate the Hebrew text of the Psalms in places where various Psalms talk not only about the Israelites declaring praises to God, but also about their declaring God's works to other people. And that same Greek word is used in one of the longer endings of the book of Mark to talk about the reporting that the women made to Peter about the things that the angel had told them at the empty tomb. That was definitely talking to Peter, a human being. So there is nothing to restrict this word to refer only to declaring something to God. That is to say, the word can certainly mean that God's royal priesthood declares his excellencies to other human beings. And that is evidently what Peter had in mind. He writes in the next chapter of his epistle about the need for Christians always to be ready to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. And just one other example here, Todd. In John chapter 7, Jesus said, If anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. And John adds that Jesus said this about the Spirit, which those who believed in him were about to receive. So having received the Holy Spirit ourselves, we speak, we tell the good news about Jesus, and so the Holy Spirit works in the lives of others. In telling the good news, we give forth living water for thirsty and dying souls. Did the 16th century reformer Martin Luther recognize the importance of Christians telling the good news about Jesus? Oh yeah, in one place, which was quoted, by the way, by the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod in a resolution from the very recent Synodical Convention, Luther put it this way, He said, maybe it might seem best for God to take away our breath and let us die as soon as we are baptized and have begun to believe. But he lets us live here in order that we may lead other people to believe, doing for them what he has done for us. That's what Luther said. We are here to lead others to believe. Well, that same convention resolution went on after quoting Luther to note that Christians today know and rub shoulders with many non-Christians and unchurched people within their vocations, family members, co-workers, classmates. It also notes that many people attend church for the first time, or for the first time in a long time, when they get an invitation from a church member they know. So tell us more about that recent convention resolution that you have just discussed there. What else does it say? Well, it goes on to say that Christians often fear to speak of Christ, and we know that's true. Like me, Todd, you have probably heard it said that people generally fear public speaking more than they even fear death. Well, it seems that in this sinful world, Christians can fear gospel speaking, even in a one-on-one setting with nobody else around but we fear it more than the prospect of death, eternal death, for that person we're talking to or might talk to who does not confess Christ. Now, I doubt that anyone is especially comfortable with this fearful state of affairs. We're not satisfied with it, so what can be done? The convention resolution observes that the fear of speaking the gospel can be addressed not only through teaching and learning the good news itself, but also as people learn ways to become conversant concerning Christ and his salvation. And there are tools in the Missouri Synod. We have a resource these days called Everyone His Witness, and we'll say more about that particular tool later in this series. 
Anyway, the resolution encourages widespread use of everyone his witness and makes a number of other encouragements, including saying to baptized church members, you know, you are witnesses for Christ wherever you are. And then the resolution makes some requirements. In this resolution, the Synod instructs its districts to assist congregations as they train their members to tell the good news about Jesus, Christ crucified for sinners. Well, Todd, I work for one of those districts, and that's part of the reason why I'm here talking with you today. I hope this whole series will take a step, anyway, in the direction of training people in evangelism. That is, teaching people to tell the good news about Jesus and show forth his excellencies. And just to let the cat out of the bag a little bit, keep listening, because I want to enlist the help of the Issues Etc. audience in this effort. Dr. Ken Sherb is our guest. We're beginning a weekly series with him on evangelism. We'll discuss the desire to bear witness next. This week on The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, we continue our adventures in Acts with The Gospel Comes to Corinth, Persecution in Corinth, Paul Returns to Antioch, Apollos, and Two Years in Ephesus. Join me, Pastor Will Whedon, for The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, your daily 15-minute verse-by-verse Bible study on demand. Listen at thewordendures.org or your favorite podcast provider. Does this sound like your church budget process at the end of the year? You get last year's budget and go through with a committee line by line, maybe what we should spend next year. Maybe you have a prayer. But where's the word of God in this process? When do the people hear what the small catechism says about giving and why we do it? Contact us at LCMS Stewardship so that we can help you fix this process, put the word of God first, and put your congregation on a good fitting lcms.org slash stewardship. Casting Christ's net on the internet. You're listening to Issues Etc. Not everyone is comfortable with new technology. Dial A Podcast gives all generations of your congregation an easy way to hear your sermons or even devotionals and Bible studies. Once you've completed a simple one-time setup, we take care of the rest. All your congregants have to do is dial the number from any phone to listen to your latest podcast, all at no additional cost to them. Dial a podcast. Extend the reach of your sermons. Get started at dialapodcast.com now. Memoria Press award-winning Latin programs have successfully taught hundreds of thousands of students across the world. Their easy-to-use, step-by-step Latin curriculum provides students with an academic vocabulary, a mastery of English grammar, and strong critical thinking skills. If you're interested in learning more, visit memoriapress.com and save $5 on your next purchase by using the coupon code LPR23. Memoria Press, saving Western civilization one student at a time. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. On this Labor Day, we are beginning a weekly series on evangelism with Dr. Ken Sherb, Director of Evangelism and Missions, Stewardship and Human Care for the Central Illinois District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Ken, in our discussion about evangelism, where does the desire to tell the good news come in? 
Well, Todd, that's a point that may sometimes get lost in the shuffle. But I'm glad you're not losing it, and I'm glad the resolution we're talking about, Resolution 101A, doesn't lose it. It resolves that the Synod encourage its pastors and other church workers to inculcate in people a desire to witness, consistent with the Lutheran confessions, particularly to non-churched people. And doesn't that make sense? Before people will speak of Jesus, generally they need to want to speak of him. And I think we understand that deep down. I mean, we know how difficult it can be to mention the name of Jesus even to a fellow Christian, let alone speak with him to non-churched people. And so we can downright want to avoid such speaking. And even if we're not actively trying to avoid it, to what degree are we interested in such an opportunity? In other words, how much do we really want it? Without the desire, the deed may be a long time coming. Is this difficult to demonstrate in practice? Oh, no, no. In 2018, a Barna study done in cooperation with Lutheran Hour Ministries called Spiritual Conversations in the Digital Age drew several interesting conclusions. It talked about eager conversationalists. Now, eager conversationalists were defined as those who had 10 or more spiritual conversations in the last year. That's on average less than one a month. And there was 20% of Christians in this survey that came out as eager conversationalists. But the thing that they found about these people is that they want to have spiritual conversations. These are people who pray and read the Bible and go to church. And for the most part, they felt qualified to have these conversations. 65% of them said they felt qualified. So the conclusion that the Barna group drew was these people are thinking about God a lot. And the more you think about God, the more you're going to want to talk about him. What else did that Barna report show about what it called spiritual conversations? Well, it showed that they were enjoyable. 70% of those who had spiritual conversations report that they even laughed during a conversation at some appropriate point. And the reaction was better than you might think. 72% of all U.S. adults in that survey said that they were glad to have had their most recent faith conversation. Only 29% said that they were annoyed by it. And that tallies, generally speaking, with a more recent Barna study. This one made an uh, inquiry about this with adults and teenagers of no faith, and they particularly asked how these people reacted when Christians shared about their spiritual or faith backstory, as the survey item put it. And these folks who have no faith reported a positive conversation experience 55% of the time. Now, there was a negative conversation experience 38% or so of the time. But the point is, more often than not, it goes well, at least it goes pleasantly, even from the perspective of the non-Christian. Also, it's important to want to have more than one spiritual conversation with the same person. That 2018 study that I was citing indicated that big changes from these conversations usually come with folks you know well and after you have talked with them several times. 
And by the way, Todd, as long as we're talking statistically, let me cite just a couple more things from that recent Barna study. It showed that about three-quarters of Americans say they believe in God and they are open to spiritual growth. 44%, almost half, say that they say that they're more spiritually open than they were back before COVID. Even Gen Z and millennials say this. Now, the general openness does not automatically translate to specific curiosity. Only 17% of those who had no faith said that they doubted Christian teachings because, well, there were questions out there that the church had not answered. But still, that does not mean that they are necessarily averse to having a spiritual conversation. So this desire to engage in these spiritual conversations is pretty basic. You said before it got lost in the shuffle often. Why is that? When we Lutherans engage the subject of evangelism in our particular place and time, 21st century America, we can be understandably gun-shy. Because lots of what passes for evangelism in American Christianity is just not done with Lutheran understandings. A seminary professor and I were talking about this lately, and he was telling me about his students. He said, in a lot of cases, they have never seen evangelism done well. It could be that they haven't seen it much done at all. Or possibly they've seen attempts at it that went very much awry theologically. And an obvious place where that can happen is when decision theology creeps in. And it can creep in even among Lutherans. People are asked to make commitments to Christ that, well, simply cannot be made by sinners who are spiritually dead and blind and enemies of God. Decision theology compromises the grace of God. It ignores what the Bible says, that no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit, and that by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So now, To the point of your question, Todd, another place where this can happen is when evangelism, and I'm talking here about the impulse to evangelism, gets all tied up with emotion. When an emotional high is running at its strongest, well, that's one thing. But when the tide goes out, it can leave you high and dry. Now, a Christian's new life in Christ should not depend on such things, and we know that. And that can make us kind of gun-shy about evangelism. But here is where we can go back to where we started this conversation, back to the topic of death and life. And we can remember how in baptism we are joined with Christ in his dying and rising. Romans 6 says, If we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the sinful body might be destroyed and we might no longer be enslaved to sin, for he who has died is freed from sin. But if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So think of it this way. According to your new man, reborn in Christ through your baptism, you don't want to sin. On the contrary, you do want to live the Christ-like life. So flip things around. Rather than figuring that we somehow have to gin up a desire to tell the good news, pulling it together as best as we can, recognize 
that telling the good news is exactly what you really do want to do in and through Christ. Whether you feel particularly like it, that is, how strong an emotion you may have running at the moment, is really beside the point. Recognize that as a Christian, what you really do want to do is to render your non-churched neighbor the most important, the most decisive service you could possibly do for him. And, of course, there's absolutely nothing wrong when your conscious desires snap into line with this and you, with greater fervency, want to tell the good news. So someone has that desire, and that's a big part. Is it all there is to this battle? Well, no. As Resolution 101 points out, it does help to learn ways to become conversant concerning Christ and his salvation. Familiarity with the biblical gospel message itself, of course, is most basic. And here I think that it's safe to say that most of us know more than we think we do. That's probably been the case with Christians for a long time. I mean, we can succumb to fear and psych ourselves out if we think that we have to have a seminary degree before we can say anything. I like to tell people that if you can put the Apostles' Creed in your own words, or even say it in its words, you can tell the good news about Jesus. But we can say even a bit more. Beyond knowing the facts of the faith, the, the basic Christian message, we can also talk about, we might call them techniques or something for evangelism. And here, within my career, the last 35 years, the pendulum has really swung. There used to be a lot of helps available to get people started in evangelism. Now, some of that stuff was canned. Perhaps some of it was even shallow. And maybe for that reason, we have swung away from it. Now, everything is contextual. It's evangelism placed in the setting of one's vocation with the people one ordinarily sees, that one ordinarily interacts with. And that is without question good, but I still think there's something to be said for teaching some, well, again, for want of a better word, I'll say techniques for evangelism. We'll talk about some of those techniques as we begin a weekly series on evangelism with Dr. Ken Sherb next. The fundamental question that these parables ask is this, is it possible for someone who has fallen away from the faith, a baptized child, to be brought to repentance? And the answer is yes, a thousand times yes. It has to be yes. Or I'm damned. And so are you. Pastor Peter Bender speaking at the 2023 Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference. But if we as earthly parents love our children in spite of the fact that they rebel and maybe wander from home, how much more does the Father's love for us in Christ Jesus never cease? That is the birthright that you and I have been given in our baptism. That is our consolation. You can watch and listen to Pastor Peter Bender's teaching, Making the Case for a Dying Man's Consolation, and all of the presentations from this year's conference for a contribution of $300. It's available via on-demand video stream or podcast. Learn more at issuesetc.org. St. Peter encourages us, always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. 
That is where we get the Greek word for apologetics, that is to defend the Christian faith. The September issue of The Lutheran Witness takes up the topics of apologetics and archaeology and discusses both of them in detail with articles from Paul Meyer, Sarah Rinsel, Mark Meal, and David Adams. To pick up your copy, visit cph.org witness or visit our website witness.lcms.org to learn more. The Lutheran Witness, interpreting the world from a Lutheran perspective. Luther Academy provides additional theological education for our mission partners around the world, specifically pastors who are asking for additional education but do not have the necessary resources in their own church bodies. By donating to Luther Academy today, you will be supplying food, housing, books, professors, and travel for Lutheran pastors who attend our conferences. To learn more about Luther Academy and how you can donate today, visit lutheracademy.com. LutherAcademy.com. Equipping the priesthood of all believers. You're listening to Issues Etc. At the center of our campus is Kramer Chapel, and there's a reason for that. Issues Etc. guest Dr. Arthur Just. Because it is the heartbeat of Concordia Theological Seminary. It is where we go to hear the voice of Jesus and frequently be fed with the body and blood of Christ. We sometimes call it our Jerusalem. Kramer Chapel points to the classroom, which we sometimes call Athens. It is there that we do theology, biblical studies, systematic theology, practical theology, history. We love theology here, and we love the study of it, and we love coming together in worship. It's one of the things that gives us great joy, joy in worshiping, joy in studying theology. Concordia Theological Seminary is all about the joy of being in Jesus. Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana, ctsfw.edu. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for September is written by two excellent regular guests here on Issues Etc., Dr. Andrew Steinman and Dr. Reed Lessing. It's called The Messianic Message, Predictions, Patterns, and the Presence of Jesus in the Old Testament. It will provide for you all the connections that Jesus fulfills in the Old Testament and how they are fulfilled in the New. Find out more about The Messianic Message at our website, issuesetc.org, or call Concordia Publishing House and order it 1-800-325-3040, 1-800-325-3040. We're talking about evangelism with Dr. Ken Sherb. Ken, before the break, you were saying that the church these days needs to return to teaching a little more of those, as you say, techniques in evangelism. Tell us more. Well, as I say, techniques may not be the best word. I'm certainly not wedded to the word. And by that word, I do not mean tricks or gimmicks. Nor do I mean that there's some kind of a sure-fire recipe that if you take just the proper steps in the right order, there will be a sure-fire conversion. No, like the Augsburg Confession says, the Holy Spirit produces faith in those who hear the gospel when and where it pleases God. And perhaps we can talk more about that in another program. But anyway, no technique is going to add anything to the power of God. What I mean here instead is that churches used to teach some standard evangelism tactics or moves that people could use. These were things you could fall back on when you were nervous. Maybe it was an outline of a gospel presentation or perhaps ways to 
break the ice and get the evangelism conversation going. But now we've kind of moved away from any kind of standard approaches that anyone recommends. Why is that, you think? Well, there are probably several reasons. One that I mentioned before the break is that these things were canned. And so if you were inexperienced in evangelistic conversations, you might kind of unnaturally, inelegantly plop them into a discussion in awkward ways. And these things only got you so far. I mean, once you ran out of the material in the little script you had memorized, well, you were stuck. And then what were you going to say? Maybe people feared getting to that point and getting stuck so they never started an evangelistic line of talk in the first place. These days, in the Missouri Synod anyway, we have been cultivating this very commendable sense of evangelism as part of the Christian's vocation, as part of one's everyday activity as a disciple of Christ. And I don't want to take anything away from that, but I do think we can add something. We can add a few tools. Right now, the big evangelism tool we have in the Missouri Synod is Everyone is Witness. I talked about that a little while ago. It has a core module which introduces this vocational, contextual witnessing and gives people a basic template for it. And then it offers a variety of context modules that all hone in on witnessing to people from various backgrounds, particular backgrounds, like witnessing to Mormons or to Muslims or to your unchurched adult children. Now, these context modules, and more of them are coming out all the time, I find especially valuable. But I would still like to suggest that there is a kind of a middle area between the core module and these really specialized context modules where some basic skills can be taught. What are you thinking about? Well, let me give you a little analogy here, Todd. My favorite football team is the Green Bay Packers, especially the great Packer teams of the Vince Lombardi era in the 1960s. Now, during those years, the staple play of the Green Bay offense was a running play called the Power Sweep. On paper, it was a little bit unusual, but simple enough in concept. Instead of a halfback or a fullback charging straight ahead, with all the offensive linemen firing off at the snap to smash into the defenders right in front of them, in the power sweep, the ball carrier ran off to the side, around the end, and the two guards in the offensive line would not block the defenders right in front of them. They would pivot and they would leave the line and run out in front of the ball carrier to serve as a convoy of blockers for him when he turned to go upfield toward the goal line. Again, it was fairly simple, one ball carrier going around end with two guards in front of him. Now, there were many, many variations on what could happen when the ball carrier and those guards did start moving up the field. And Lombardi had the Packers practice and practice and practice on the power sweep. They were anticipating what would happen if the middle linebacker moved this way or the strong safety moved that way or a jillion other things. In fact, Lombardi could spend hours just talking about this one play and all the contingencies it could open up. But at its heart, the power sweep remained one ball carrier around end with two pulling guards blocking ahead of him. Now, in my estimation, 
detailed advice for talking with people from particular backgrounds, such as Jewish people or retired military personnel or folks who put science on a pedestal. In other words, the kind of material that's found in Everyone His Witness in the context modules. That's like the hours of explanation that Lombardi could give for the various contingencies with the power sweep. And we have good material here. The Everyone Is Witness context modules alone provide it, and provide it admirably. But we could do something at a more basic level than just what the core module does. I hope I'm not being too simplistic to say that what the core module does is to put a football, the gospel, into your hands and points you toward the goal line. And the goal, of course, is the Holy Spirit creating faith through the gospel which you speak. And it tells you that we're going to move toward that goal by a combination of blocking and running and passing. That's all meat, right, and salutary in general, of course, but what's lacking is one or more specific tactics, something like a particular play, such as ball carrier around end with two guards out ahead of him. So give us an example of what you just called a specific tactic. I got this one, Todd, from Dr. Paul Faust's evangelism class at Concordia Ann Arbor when I was in college years ago. He called it the church testimony. He pointed out that most Lutherans do not have what might be considered a good personal testimony. I mean, if you were baptized as an infant and were raised in the church, you're just not in a position to talk about how you were all strung out on drugs or something until you were brought to faith in Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. So instead of a personal testimony, Faust really recommended for Lutherans the church testimony, not as witness yet, but as a stepping stone toward witness. In a way, the church testimony starts with telling somebody exactly where your church is, where it's located. Faust said, describe it so that the person develops a mental image of the building and where it is, the neighborhood, the corner it may be located on. After all, your interaction with this person may be interrupted or it may go badly, but you do want them to know where the church is. Because in the future, it may occur to them to come back to this place for spiritual help. So now, getting into the church testimony itself, after you've determined where the church is, tell the person that one thing your church has done for you is to give you a place where you can express your gratitude to God. Now, that's not gospel. But again, the church testimony is not yet gospel witness. It's putting you in a position for gospel witness. And it is a point that can resonate with people. People have a sense that they should express gratitude. And they may even feel a need to be grateful to God. In any case, the person you're speaking with can't argue with you at this point. They're not going to say, hey, your church doesn't do that. It doesn't help you by giving you a place to express gratitude. So you get out of the box and you get to talk a little bit. And you can go on. You go on by saying that your church helps you by giving you strength for the coming week, which we all need or that it gives your kids a place where they can express their gratitude to God and where they can learn good morals and develop good friendships. Now, again, none of that is yet the gospel, but it leads up to the last point of the church testimony. And in this last point, you say, but you know, there's one thing 
that's even more important than everything else I've mentioned. The most important thing my church has done for me is that it has gotten me ready to die. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now once you have said that, you are in a position to go into both law and gospel quite explicitly. And as promised, Ken is going to summarize our conversation so far, but also extend an invitation to our audience after this. Issues Etc. regular guests Dr. Reed Lessing and Dr. Andrew Steinman are the authors of our Book of the Month for September, The Messianic Message, Predictions, Patterns, and the Presence of Jesus in the Old Testament. This new book is published by Concordia Publishing House. Their phone number, 1-800-325-3040, or learn more about The Messianic Message at issuesetc.org. Study the Old Testament through a Christ-centered lens with the Issues Etc. Book of the Month, The Messianic Message. Psalm 144.1 Blessed be the Lord my rock, who trains my hands for war and my fingers for battle. Those serving in the armed forces want LCMS chaplains. We need courageous pastors to bring the gospel and sacraments to those protecting our nation, along with wise counsel and the peace found only in Christ Jesus. If you are between the age of 26 and 43 and have a heart for ministry in the armed forces, call 314-996-1337 or email lcmschaps at lcms.org. The message is the mission. You're listening to Issues Etc. Hello, this is Pastor Curtis Brooks with Lamb of God Lutheran Church in Papillion, Nebraska. We are faithful to the Lutheran confessions as recorded in the Book of Concord, and our services are traditional Eucharistic liturgies in accordance with the ancient text. We gather Saturday evening and Sunday morning. And if you are ever in the Omaha area, come visit us in Papillion. Our website is lambofgodlcms.org. Concordia University Chicago invites all high school students to attend the annual Careers for Christ weekend in person on our beautiful campus in River Forest. Careers for Christ is November 3rd through the 5th. You'll have the opportunity to learn about professional church vocations while having fun with CUC staff, faculty, and students. For more information, visit cuchicago.edu forward slash C, the number four C. That is cuchicago.edu forward slash C, the number four C. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We're beginning a weekly series on evangelism with Dr. Ken Sherb. Ken, would you summarize what we've said so far in this conversation today? The gospel of Jesus Christ is the saving message of life for a world choked by death. It brings the blessings of life in Christ that everyone needs. We Christians have the gift from God of being able to bring this saving good news about Jesus to our neighbors, and we can always learn to do it better. It is important that we have a desire to witness, and this desire is implanted in us by our baptism, in which the new man in Christ was born. This new man wants to walk in a Christ-like way in all things. And in between the most 
basic level of instruction and more highly sophisticated advice for evangelistic conversation with people from various backgrounds, Christians can learn a number of techniques or tactics or tools that can help us in telling the good news about Jesus. Now, Todd, let me start the audience participation by involving you and our listeners a bit with some true or false statements to mull over. True or false? Keeping the gospel to yourself would be like keeping secret a cure for some dreaded disease. True. And that would not only be unthinkable that you would have such a cure and just keep it under your hat, but the question emerges, who would even want to do that? You would have great news for people if you had some great medical cure, and we want to tell good news. Another one, true or false? When God's priesthood of all believers declares his excellencies, they should do this declaring strictly to him, not to other human beings. False. The Greek word exangelo, which is in 1 Peter 2, verse 9, is found only in the New Testament at that point, but we do have some clues about what it means. It's used in the Septuagint, not only for declaring to God, but also to other people. And in the shorter of the two long endings of Mark, it certainly does mean speaking to other people. True or false? Statistically, people who converse about the gospel want to converse about it. True. That was the determination of a Barna study a few years ago. It found generally that the more you think about God, the more you want to talk about him, and the more you want to talk about him, well, the more you do. Another item, true or false. God works in Christians not only to do, but also to will what is well-pleasing to him. True. That has to be true. It's basically a quote of a Bible passage, Philippians 2, verse 13, talking about working out one's salvation, that is, bringing it out into the open. And, of course, one way to do that, to bring your salvation out into the open, is to tell the gospel. Last item, true or false. Church body proclamations about evangelism make no difference. False. Church body proclamations do not establish the truth of God's word, but they can reflect it and apply it. We've been talking about Resolution 101A from the most recent Missouri Synod Convention, which is a good thing to read. In a way, what we do upon reading a resolution like this will really determine whether it makes a difference or not. And I hope this one certainly does. So those are the true-false items, Todd. I decided not to give you one on the Green Bay Power Sweep. All right. I know that the resolution encourages education, which is very important, and practice. Yeah. Practice specifically in four particular witnessing skills. The skills are listening discerningly to a non-church person, beginning a spiritual conversation, making a simple statement of the gospel, and defending the resurrection. And as you say, Todd, This resolution calls upon congregations, pastors, and other church workers to provide people the opportunity not only to hear about such skills, but also to put them into practice. You said early on that you have an invitation for our listeners. 
Right. It would be very difficult for us to engage in genuine practicing of witness skills in this particular format. But we can move a step, and I think a big step in that direction, by asking our audience, theologically astute and concerned about the salvation of others as it is, to contact us with some of your real-life witnessing stories. So, call the Issues Etc. comment line at 618-223-8382. That's 618-223-8382. Or write to talkback at issuesetc.org and tell us a witnessing story. Give us a general idea of who you were talking with, without mentioning any names, and a little blow-by-blow of how a conversation or part of a conversation went. I mean, you can literally say, first I said, and then he said, and then I said, and so forth. And the great thing about this is these will be real conversations, not constructed, not confected, not invented And we will have them to use on the program in future installments of this series to give all the rest of us some really good tips concerning witness. Now, I can't guarantee you that we'll use every story you write in or phone in, but I would love to pick the brains of you Issues Etc. listeners over the next few weeks concerning this very important subject of evangelism. Ken, give us an example of the kind of thing you're talking about there. When I was pastor in Moberly, Missouri, we used to have a lot of unchurched families who had kids in our preschool. And one of the ways we moved to make contact with them was to select a preschool family of the week. Now, if you were the family of the week, that meant, among other things, that your family would get a personal visit from me, the pastor, before the week was out. And on these visits with parents... I pointed out that we were interested in the spiritual development not only of our preschool pupils, but also in that of their families and especially the parents. And I noted that we were there for the long haul. If they ever needed help with the spiritual nurture of their children five years from now, ten years from now in the future, our door was always open. And that was kind of like the first part of the church testimony I was describing earlier. I mean, they obviously knew where we were, but I wanted to emphasize that that welcome sign was always out for them. Well, on one visit, I was speaking with the non-churched mother of one of our preschool pupils. And I had learned from the preschool teacher that this mom had something of a chip on her shoulder as regards Christianity. I myself had not had much acquaintance with this mom up to that point, so in my visit I decided to just go very basic and use the good old Paul Faust church testimony. So when I got into it, I talked about how the church had given me a place to express my gratitude to God. And as I kind of anticipated, she had no objection to what I said. I was hoping she might say something like she felt a need to express gratitude herself, she didn't do that. Then I talked about how the church gave me strength for the next week and a good place for my kids, and through all that she didn't have much to say. But when I got to the point where I said the most important thing my church has done for me is to get me ready to die, she broke in. Really? she said. Was that the most important thing? I mean, wasn't there something more immediate, more tangible that I wanted to point to? 
And I paused for a second and said, no, I'm going to stick with my statement. And then I went on to quote Romans 6.23 about the wages of sin being death, but the free gift of God being eternal life in Christ. Eternity is a long time, endless time. And without Christ, I'm without hope, I said. Everyone is. Well, the conversation went on from there, but not for very long. As things turns out, this lady never came to our church, but still I got the opportunity to speak God's word to her even in that little snippet there. Well, this is the kind of thing I have in mind. I'd like for people to call us or write us and give us a slice of real witnessing life that we can all chew over and learn from. What is on tap for next week? Uh, Next week we're going to talk about the role of the pastor in evangelism. Dr. Ken Sherb has a PhD in church history from Ohio State University. He is director of evangelism and missions, stewardship and human care for the Central Illinois District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. And he formerly served as a theology professor at Concordia University, Ann Arbor, Michigan, and as an assistant to the president of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Ken, thank you. It's a pleasure, Todd. Thank you. Folks, today, Labor Day, is the final day for you to order a recording of this year's Issues Etc. Making the Case Conference. For a donation of $300, we'll send you a link, username, and password to video and audio recordings. This year's presenters include journalists Mark and Molly Hemingway, Lutheran Church Missouri Synod President Matt Harrison, Kyle Mann of the Babylon Bee, Pastor Peter Bender of the Concordia Catechetical Academy, Pastor Will Whedon of The Word of the Lord Endures Forever, and San Francisco Archbishop Salvatore Cordelione. Order today at issuesetc.org. Tuesday on Issues Etc., we'll look forward to Sunday morning, according to the one-year lectionary, talking with Pastor Peter Bender about Jesus cleansing ten lepers in Luke chapter 17. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for listening. Listen weekday afternoons to Pastor Todd Wilkin and guests on Issues Etc. Issues Etc. is a listener-supported program. Your financial support is vital for the continuation and expansion of this worldwide outreach. Our mailing address, Issues Etc., P.O. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. Box 83, Collinsville, Illinois, 62234. You can also donate at our website, issuesetc.org. Issues Etc., is a production of LPR, Lutheran Public Radio. What makes Christ Our Savior Lutheran Church in Freeburg, Illinois so special? Our new members talk about the family atmosphere, the welcoming people, and the outstanding music. But most importantly, you'll be confronted with your sin and comforted with the assurance that Jesus has removed that sin so that you can live each day as his baptized and forgiven child. Christ Our Savior Lutheran Church is at 612 North State Street in Freeburg, Illinois. Sunday worship is at 9 a.m., Sunday school and Bible classes at 1020 a.m. Call 618-539-5664. I am beautiful because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I am accepted because I'm a part of His family through Jesus' shed blood. Unity Lutheran School in East St. Louis, Illinois, shines the light of Christ in one of the most impoverished cities in America. 
Learn how to support their mission work at unityesl.org. Unityesl.org. Today, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I say yes to God in His ways. Bahama Mama, Ocean Pacific, Paradise Island. Retreat from the heat with a shaved ice snow cone from Tropical Snow in Caseyville, Illinois. It's right across the street from Collinsville High School. Tropical Snow is open daily from 1 to 9. Premium snow, epic flavors, lots of love. Tropical Snow, across the street from Collinsville High School at 2134 South Morrison Avenue in Caseyville. College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois offers ACT, SAT, and PSAT test prep, scholarship application classes, college and career counseling, and more. Hi, this is Lori Konsky, president of College Preparation Station. We have helped our students obtain more than $7 million in tuition scholarships in 12 years. Find out more at cpsprep.com. Let us help you create a vision and find your future. The College Preparation Station in Maryville, Illinois, cpsprep.com. Would you like to learn about the Reformation theology you hear on Issues Etc.? We'll send you a pamphlet of Luther's small catechism for free. It contains the biblical teachings on the Ten Commandments, the Apostles' Creed, the Lord's Prayer, Baptism, the Lord's Supper, and Confession and Absolution. Order your free copy of Luther's small catechism today. Just send your name and mailing address to talkback at issuesetc.org. Confessional Lutherans are invited to rent a four-bedroom, three-bathroom Table Rock lakefront home in the Ozarks. Table Rock Lake is a premier lake in the heart of the Ozarks for boating, water sports, and fishing. This log cabin-style rental sleeps 12 and is 30 minutes from Branson and 20 minutes from Silver Dollar City. Learn more by calling Swanson Estates, 713-855-2681. Be sure to mention Issues Etc., 713 855 2681.